Hello and welcome to the Lisa Congdon Sessions, a podcast for creative folks about living and working with more intention, curiosity, and joy. I'm your host, Lisa Congdon. Hi everyone, uh, we're here at episode five. A uh, fun fact, this is actually the first episode I've recorded in my closet. Andy Miller, who many of you know from Creative Pep Talk podcast, who's also one of the founders of the Co-Loop podcast network that I'm part of, he wrote me an email the other day and he was like, I think there's a little too much air in your podcasts. You need to get yourself in a closet. So my house, by the way, is like built in 1898. And so the closets are super small because people had like, I don't know, two articles of clothing back then. So I'm in the biggest closet, which I can actually sit in. It's not bad. And I actually, it has shelves in it. So I've got my computer on a shelf and yeah, so far so good. Okay. So we're at episode five and this is the first in a two-part series on what it means to have an artistic voice. So in this episode, I'm going to talk about the first two elements of your voice, which are style and skill. And in the next episode, which will be part two, I'm going to talk about the remaining three elements, which are subject matter, medium, and consistency. And in both episodes, I'll break down all of the elements so you understand them beyond the jargon. So as many of you know, I wrote a book about this topic, the topic of finding your artistic voice, which I will link to in the show notes, of course. And this is by far, to me, one of the most interesting topics around creativity. It's also something I think we don't talk about enough, although I think people are starting to talk about it more and more. We are in a period of time where becoming an artist, specifically becoming a professional artist, is something that more and more people are pursuing. And that's because social media and the internet are these places where we have access to what it looks like to run an art business, along with access to affordable classes for learning to make art in the first place. It used to be that, you know, there were all these sort of gatekeepers, people and systems and institutions that allowed some people to become professional artists and kept others away from it, even if they had enormous talent. Learning art technique no longer requires a college degree, for example. Not that it ever did, but more folks have access to learning about not just art technique, but like business and social media and all of the things that help us build an art business. And as I have been known to say, there has never been a better time to be an artist. But I also want to say with this surge of folks wanting to do this for a living, I think there's a certain lack of rigor around working toward and identifying our own distinct point of view. And maybe that's something that comes with going to art school, where there is a constant critique from your professors and your peers, questions about the meaning of your work and what it's inspired by and pushing it past your influences and out of what is expected into something new. And I think if art school can do anything, it can help us with asking those hard questions and pushing our work to new places. I have really been focusing in the last five years on pushing my own work away from my influences and really into my own space. And writing this book and thinking about this topic really helped me to do that. I never went to art school. 
But I do teach and mentor now in an MFA grad program, and I see this every day, this rigor, and it feels like something I missed out on. So if you are also someone who is thinking about this and wanting to push your work to a new place, or you're not entirely sure what it even means to have an artistic voice, or you're questioning whether or not you have one, this episode, along with my book, of course, is for you. It might be helpful. So in terms of defining artistic voice, I like to say overall, and this is something most of you probably already get, your artistic voice is your own point of view as an artist. That's really in a nutshell what it is. But we also need to unpack that because there are a lot of preconceived notions out there about what it means to have an artistic voice that aren't really the full picture in my opinion. So your voice includes your style, Things like your own color palette, the symbols you use in your work, the lines, the markings. It also is your skill, the mediums you use, your subject matter, and the consistency with which you use all of those things. So consistency is really important here, and I'll get into that a little bit later in this episode and even more as its own element in the next episode. So whether you're aware of it or not, your voice is also a reflection of your particular perspective. It's your experience, your identity, your values, and it really is a reflection of what matters most to you. And that all of the stuff that I just mentioned goes into your subject matter, what you choose to render. Ultimately, your voice is what makes your work yours, what sets your work apart, and what makes it different from everyone else's, even from artists whose work is similar. We talk a lot about genres of work or schools of work. We can easily, those of us who look at the work of a lot of different artists, we can easily lump the work of different artists into categories, right? I can be lumped in categories with other people who make work that is similar. You might be lumped into a category with others or your heroes are in another group of artists who make work in a particular way or about a particular subject matter. And the important point here is that even within your genre or school or the grouping anyone would lump you into, your work still stands out as yours and as different. I cover this more extensively in my book, but your artistic voice is also something that is formed over time through continuous experimentation and intentional practice. It comes from following spurts of inspiration and intuition, of course, down long paths of development. It is not something that happens overnight. It is something that takes years. And most artists are so busy attempting to produce satisfying work to make a living that they're unaware that they're making work to communicate their own version of the truth, right? We make work that mirrors our own deeply held ideas about the world. So in my book, Find Your Artistic Voice, I talk about the fact that sometimes these ideas are really simple, very simple things like tulips are pretty. And when I'm speaking in front of a big audience, I'll say, how many of you like to draw flowers? And literally three-fourths of the room will raise their hands. Other simple things like the sunset is the most beautiful moment in the day. Or my personal favorite, a simple grid is the most visually satisfying image. And sometimes, on the other hand, those ideas are complex and complicated things like I am oppressed or I have been oppressed or the universe is chaos or there is light in struggle. And most of the time, the ways in which your truth emerges from your work is somewhere in the middle between simple and complicated, right? 
Our work doesn't always have to mean something complex. And this is the most liberating thing I I realized in the last five or six years of my art practice, right? I think a lot of us think our work isn't worthy or it isn't worth talking about because our truths that are reflected in our work are so simple. And that's okay. The important part is that you're making work, right? Making art is an enormously personal experience, no matter what your style is, no matter your subject matter, no matter any of it. So let's talk about the elements of your voice, which I've divided into five categories. The first two I'm going to cover in this episode, which are style and skill. And the final three, which I'm going to cover in the next episode, are subject matter, medium, and consistency. And these elements ultimately become inextricably enmeshed in your voice. Like, it's really hard to parse, you know, one from the other because they all work together in this really beautiful way. They all, I like to say they play together and they give your voice personality. But, and this is what I'm going to break down for you today, when you are in the process of developing your artistic voice, it's helpful to step back and understand all of the different elements so you can think about what areas you might want to hone further or develop more deeply, which areas are strong and which areas are weaker for you. For some artists, certain elements of their voice are their identifying markers more than other elements. Like some people are really known more for their subject matter and others more for their acute technical skill and so on. In this episode, I'm going to cover both style and what I mean by that and skill. Skill is really important because it's often misunderstood and I'm excited to give you my own personal perspective or definition on skill. So let's start with style though, because this is an important topic. Okay, first thing I wanna say is that often the word style is used interchangeably with voice. So I want to state a really important fact here, and I want you to ingrain this in your psyche. Style is one of the most important and significant aspects of your voice, and your voice is much more than your style. Let me repeat that, just so you can internalize it again. Style is one of the most significant aspects of your voice, and your voice is much more than your style. Style is just one element of your voice. So if you've been thinking about voice solely as your style, I want you to open your mind to the other elements and how important they are once we get to them. But first, let's talk about what your artistic style is. And I like to use a really simple definition, which is basically that your artistic style is the look and feel of your work. And there's a lot to unpack even there because, you know, look is probably style and feel is probably like subject matter, like what you're choosing and how you're choosing to render it to evoke some kind of response. It is, for example, how neat and precise your work is or how loose and messy it is. And I do want to say that I do not mean messy as a bad thing here. Um, I've got two examples for you. So take the amazing Jennifer Orkin Lewis, for example. She's a wonderfully talented artist whose style is loose and often messy, but it's also rich and gorgeous and complex. And I also love the work of Stephen Smith, who is an abstract artist. And by the way, I'll link to both of them in the show notes. And his work is often quite messy, which I put in quotes, while in my opinion, also being quite organized, which is probably why I like his work so much, because it's a perfect mixture of both. And there's a really wonderful tension in his work. Anyhow, speaking of abstract, your style also includes whether you make work that is representational, 
or whether you make work that is abstract, the marks you make on your work and how you use those marks and how they're repeated in pieces and between pieces. Okay, so here are some things that make up your style. Let's call them the elements of style. I also talk about these in my book, so if you want a written reference for them, you can take a look at that. So number one, number one element of style. How do you create lines in your work? Are they delicate and thin or are they thick and rough? Are they prominent or obscured? Do you avoid using lines at all? Or is your work entirely made up of lines? Conversely, do you work more in shape? So number two is shape. What shapes do you use consistently in your work? How do you use shape to define your content? Are the shapes in your work geometric or curved and more flowy and soft? Or are the edges hard? Are your shapes flat and one-dimensional? Or do they have depth and dimension? Are they clean? Or are they purposefully wonky or messy? Do you render shapes that represent real things or do you use abstracted or non-representational shapes? I love talking about shapes because I would say next to color, shape is like my favorite way to play in my art. Number three, which is really important for a lot of folks, is layering. Is your work layered? To what extent do you use layers in your work? And to what extent do you use layers to give the perception of depth and dimension? Or conversely, is your work intentionally flat and graphic? I grew in the last five years as somebody who was making, you know, very layered dimensional work into somebody who was intentionally working in a more flat and graphic way. And that was a, a very intentional choice on my part. And my work in some ways looks much simpler, but in some ways it's harder to be successful in my work because it is so simple. Number four, and this one is important, color. What is your color palette or color palettes? Are they warm or are they cool? What colors are you drawn to? What mood do your color choices give your work? Are you a color minimalist or a color maximalist? Do you play with color values? In other words, take blue, for example. You know, we've got very, 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 very light, 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 pale blue. And then we've got dark, dark blue that looks almost like black. And then there's everything in between. So color in and of itself is just this complex thing. You can be monochrome and still develop like really, really crazy work with values. Number five, texture. Does your work have texture? How do you create texture in your, in your medium? Or is your work intentionally without texture? And what are you trying to communicate through your texture? Number six, composition. I could teach a whole class on composition and I'm thinking about figuring that out. But a question to ask yourself is how do you normally compose your work? How do you consistently use a certain format of canvas or size of paper or three-dimensional structure for your work? How do you communicate visual balance in your work? Do you think about, like, for example, the rule of thirds? Or does it come so innately to you? Is your eye so good at composition that you don't even have to think about it? How do you use negative space and positive space in your work to impact the overall composition? Number seven, rhythm and movement. How do you convey rhythm and movement in your work? Do you use repetition or the alternation of strokes or marks or imagery or, again, the gradation of color? Do you create tension by creating opposing directions or the use of both warm and cool colors? Or is your work purposefully still? Are you trying to communicate a stillness? Number eight, and this is the last one pattern and repeating imagery. And by repeating imagery, I don't mean like a repeat pattern like you would see on wallpaper or wrapping paper. 
I mean patterns that show up in your work as opposed to singular imagery or icons. Patterns that show up in your work in terms of how you render things. What repeating patterns or repeating imagery do you portray in your work, either within a piece or across pieces? What's noticeable about the way you make lines and shapes that repeats? I highly recommend making a chart with each of these eight elements of style and doing sort of self-assessment of your strengths and your weaknesses. Where do you feel your work is strong and where do you feel you have weaknesses? In other words, what are the areas where you have no defined consistent style or where you're not even sure how to answer the questions that I just posed? Okay, I want to make one quick point here before moving on to skill. And that is that while most of these elements of style are going to be repeated throughout all of your work, it's also true that you may, like many artists, have more than one style. Some artists make, for example, both representational work, which is stuff where, you know, where you can recognize what the thing is. We have language to define it. And abstract work, where we don't have the language to define it, where the shapes are more abstract. Gerhard Richter, master painter, one of my favorite artists, works both photorealistically and abstractly. So he's a fantastic example of an artist who has two very distinct styles and works in them very consistently. There is a great documentary, by the way, about him on Netflix, which I highly recommend, and I will link to that in the show notes as well. Other artists make some work that is flat and graphic in style and also make work that is more layered and intricate and textured. And so having one style is not so important. What is important is that you use the elements of style consistently within each of your artistic styles. I'll talk more about the importance of consistency in the next episode. All right, so we've covered style, so let's talk about skill. So skill is the second essential element in your artistic voice. So why is skill important? It's important, and I'm going to touch on this again in a little bit, but it's important because with greater skill, you can create richer and more visually complex work, and you'll have a much easier time communicating your ideas or emotions through visual imagery. When you're struggling with how to render something in a particular medium, communicating your ideas is more difficult. So developing skill is really important and it's an important part of your voice. So what do we mean when we say skill? And I bring this up because sometimes when we bat around the term skill, it's actually a little cringeworthy because there's definitely a perception in Western culture, at least, about what it means to be, quote, skilled and what that definition holds, what it means. And even I am guilty of this. Like, somebody will be really, really good at like the technical skill. Like my friend Ariel is like an insanely talented drawer of people and animals with pencil and microns. She's just like so talented. And I would say Ariel is skilled and I will link to her work in the show notes as well. But I'm also using this very traditional definition of what it means to be skilled. So let's talk about that. So for hundreds of years until the late 19th century, what it meant to be a skilled artist was wrapped up in something very particular, your ability to render something realistically, typically from life or from a photograph. And when you see Ariel's work, you'll, you'll see why I say that she's skilled because she has this ability. We can all picture it. Embedded in that notion of skill are that artists spend years and years of painstaking practice and academic precision to get there. And most of the time when you have that particular skill, you have spent years and years of practice. 
And that old notion of skill still lies in the fabric of our idea about what it means to have skill, but it's outdated. It's not that those people aren't skilled who can render things very realistically from life, but it's not the only definition of skill. So thanks to great minds like Georgia O'Keeffe and Claude Monet and Picasso and Matisse and Solowit and Bearden and Van Gogh, by the mid-20th century, the tradition of a singular definition for artistic skill was broken. Thank goodness, right? And while most of the artists I mentioned, most of them were classically trained and they could probably render things realistically, they, along with thousands of others, created works that broke away from that traditional mold of precise representational painting and drawing. And they were responsible for developing now very established genres of works. Each of them forged the way for new styles that broadened our definition of what it means to be a skilled artist. And I also want to add that Recently, I would say in the last 20 years or so, our culture has really, or Western culture at least, has really developed a growing appreciation for outsider art, which is art made by untrained artists who live outside the mainstream culture. My aunt actually happens to be a world-renowned expert in outsider art, and maybe actually sometime I should have her on this podcast. But that appreciation of outsider art is really a further confirmation of this new definition of artistic skill. So let's dive into that a little bit more. So the dictionary definition of skill is, quote, the ability coming from one's knowledge, practice, aptitude, etc., to do something well. Let me repeat the most important part of that definition, to do something well. And doing something well means that you have the technical abilities to execute on your ideas in whatever media you use. It also means that you can execute with consistency. So your skill isn't just like a happy accident that happens just once, but it's something that happens over and over because you've practiced a lot. So let me be clear, if you're self-taught, even if you're an outsider artist, you can be just as skilled at making art as someone who's had years and years of art school. Your skill is simply in what you do, right? And not necessarily in traditional techniques, though it also could be. There are certainly many people who didn't go to art school who can render things realistically, who never learned to do that from a, you know, a classic instruction. They taught themselves, but they can do it really well. They just practice a lot, which I'll get to in a second. Skill also doesn't preclude you from making bad work or creating a a shit show on canvas, right? Skill still means you're going to make mistakes. It still means you're going to make bad work. But that mistakes and bad work and experimentation and failure are just part of the creative process. And that's an important thing to remember. Skill does help you to move into your voice more freely because you're not struggling. And that's the point that I made earlier, right? That the more we practice and the more we get better at something, the more we can focus on maybe subject matter or other elements of our voice because we're not struggling with executing or rendering because we've learned how to use the tools and and the process and the medium well. And as I mentioned, the way to develop skill is to practice. And I recorded a whole episode on practice in episode three. And there's also a section in my book, Find Your Artistic Voice, on practice. So pick that up if that's something you want to learn more about how to do and how to do better and why it's so important. But essentially, the only way to get better at practice is to practice, right? I saw this great short film the other night on the first guy in, I think it was in the 80s, to win the Tour de France in spandex. So Previously, I guess, like dudes who rode the Tour de France, like wore, 
I don't know, they're probably like, I don't know, shorts or some kind of cropped pants, but like they were not wearing spandex. And so this guy, I can't remember his name, but he wins the Tour de France in the 80s and he's wearing spandex. And after that, cycling shops were literally flooded with requests for spandex shorts because people thought that the spandex was magic, right? And helped this guy win the tour. And it became super popular. I mean, spandex is awesome. Believe me, as a cyclist, I don't know what I'd do without it. But the whole point of the film was that the reason this guy won the tour was because he rode his bike, not because he wore spandex. You can have all the fancy gear, but if you don't actually get on your bike and ride your bike, you won't get faster. Likewise, you can have all the fancy art tools, but if you don't use them and use them often, you won't develop skill, right? So today we've talked about style and skill. Until the next episode, I want you to think about your own relationship to style and skill, how it plays out in your own work, how you think about it, anything new you've learned today. And I hope that you will join me in two weeks for episode six, where I'll be talking about the remaining elements of your voice, subject matter, medium, and consistency. Thank you for listening. I included links to all kinds of resources in the show notes. Big thanks to Nick Lambert for the original music and to my amazing team at the CoLoop Podcast Network. Please subscribe to the Lisa Congdon Sessions on Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoy what you hear, leave me a review. You can follow me on social media at at Lisa Congdon and at the Lisa Congdon Sessions. I hope you'll join me for future episodes. Have a magical day, everyone. Everyone.